You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, Packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, Pack underscore that am. Um, forgot to do that yesterday. So um, today's going to be a little bit weird because I got the house to myself, which is fantastic. It means I can get a lot of stuff done, right? Except uh, the family's on their way home. My son is not feeling super great, and so there's a very distinct possibility that in about 20 minutes, I'm going to get a text message. I need you to come upstairs, et cetera, et cetera. So um, jump on in and uh, leave your comments, questions, comments, concerned. I'm not entirely sure what I'm going to do with this. It's probably going to be the podcast, depending on what happens. I did get a lot of constructive feedback about that. Some people said they loved it. They thought it was fantastic. The banter and the comments and everything was great. I would say there was also a lot of negative feedback, especially just me not being able to stay on task. So again, all I'm asking you to do is bear with me. Um, I've got almost 1,200 podcast episodes, so I'm going to experiment with like five or six of them. So just hang in there. Let me try this thing out. Um, please don't abandon me. I'm not saying this is what I'm going to do forever. Just give me some time to kind of clean this up. And also this is a terrible time, um, to experiment or see if, (laughs) if this is going to actually work. There should be a, uh, a comment box popping up. I don't think it's going to work. My little chat box, whatever. Um, because today's going to be so crazy and I'm going to rely heavily on comments today. Um, because again, some things are going on, but the the good news is if it wasn't for this stream right now and this very erratic podcast that you're probably going to get today, um, there probably just would be nothing. Um, again, maybe none of that's going to happen. We'll see how frantic things are when my wife gets home. Um, but I am going to try to sneak this in very, very quickly. So if you're on with me hanging out, I do appreciate that. Um, sorry for the very short notice. I'd like to nail down a time, but it's hard to pick a time because life. You know what I mean? Dinner's crazy and things happen and activities or whatever. So when I'm free, I'm free. And there's kind of one of those things where all of a sudden I realize, Ooh, check it out. I'm free. And I go run and you know, then, then I do the podcast. So you're not going to get much notice, which is why I've said, if you want to join in on the stream and drop in your comments and all that good stuff, um, just subscribe on YouTube or Facebook and try to make sure that you've got the little notification bar and all that. So you know when it's going live so that you can uh, come hang out. Um, So I did want to go over the 53. Again, I kind of know we talked about it, but now that we got it all in nice, clean fashion, as well as our practice squad figured out, um, just wanted to quickly go through a little bit of news, go through some of that, get some of your thoughts, some of my thoughts, and then um, maybe just get out of here. It may, it it probably just going to be a no ad day. So that there's your bonus for, for the short day. We'll do a no ad day. Um, what did I want to start with? So the Minnesota Vikings got some bad news. Irv Smith, who ended up getting injured, and I had mentioned that on the podcast a couple days ago, turns out he's going to need meniscus surgery, which means he's going to be out for the season. Um, as one of the guys on Twitter had mentioned, a Vikings uh, person, essentially they've got, so we know they've got two pretty top tier receiving options. Unfortunately for them, though, after Irv Smith, so it's so you've got... Um, Justin Jefferson is up here. Assuming he doesn't fall off, he was the second best uh, guy, according to PFF. Very, very good. Then you go down a little bit to still really good, but not, you know, elite, elite, but but good. Like second tier, real good. Then you got Irv Smith, who's like, you know, he's fine. He's not super great. And then it just falls off. It's like, I don't, I don't know their names. I don't need to know their names. You don't need to know their names. Nobody needs to know anybody's name because they're all just kind of useless. Um... So the, the Vikings are kind of an anomaly because there's certain things you look at and say, that's a scary team. And then there's other things you look at and you think, I don't know if they're going to have much going on. And when you look at one of the things that makes a team talented, and I think one of the things that makes the Packers so dangerous isn't necessarily because of these super elite guys, but the amount of different kinds of weapons that they have. Um, the ability that we saw, I think the beginning of last year was such a good example. I don't remember the exact order, but it was something to the effect of week one, Devontae won us that game. Week two, Aaron Jones won us that game. Week three, Alan Lazard won us that game. So it was just, it was all these different things where it's like, if, if you hone in on one thing, if you take away the run game, we're going to kill you over here. You take away this, we're going to kill you over there. And it's just so hard to stop the Packers. The Vikings have the talent 
to win certain matchups, right? There might be certain teams they just can't match up with the the receiving options or they just can't stop Dalvin or whatever the case may be. But if you're able to sort of do what the Patriots were historically famous for, taking the one thing that you do really well just completely away, I feel like that's going to cripple a team like the Vikings because they don't have a ton of options. They do have a running back. He's a very good running back, but their offensive line is kind of terrible. Um, they do have a couple good receiving options, but we've even seen it with, with Devontae. You get up against a pretty good defense, and they take away Devontae, and this is why so many people scream, we need another wide receiver, we need another wide receiver, because when he gets taken away, it's like, eh, I don't know what to do. <laughs> you know, so um, and, and obviously, as a tight end, Irv Smith isn't just a pass catcher. He's also a inline blocker and all those kinds of things. And so it takes away a certain dynamic. I talk about how when we bring in guys and expand what they're able to do, you know, Josiah DeGuaro with a guy like that who serves that role, who is the only guy that probably serves that role. You start adding pages. I keep lifting my hand higher so the camera can see my my emotions and my, my movements because I keep doing it down here and it, it looks inappropriate when I'm doing this. So I go like this and it looks better. Um, you start, <laughs> you start adding pages, you know, to your playbook and, um, man, I'm sorry. I'm, I make myself laugh sometimes when you take away a guy like Irv Smith, especially when you don't have a lot of other options, you know, the Packers, we got Tunyon and then we got Tunyon light and we got uh, Jace, and then we got the better version of Jace, who's pretty much anybody on the team. Um, but we got we got other guys we can go to. You know, we got uh, Josiah, but if that doesn't work, we got Daphne. So when you take away Irv, you're ripping a bunch of pages out of your playbook. Well, we can't do this, 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 this. I mean, you can, but we can't do it very well. So that becomes kind of problematic. So um, as much as Irv Smith isn't that big of a factor in terms of just being like, oh, I'm so scared of Irv Smith, even though the Vikings, uh, the fans and whatnot thought he was going to have a fantastic year, um, you know, and I'm sorry to any Vikings people that might be listening. I forget that this was once an NFL channel. Um, I still still would love it if you'd hang out with me. Feel free to hang out and have a good time and uh, We'll figure this stuff out. Ah, the chat box is working. I was just going to say, can somebody put in a comment to see if the little chat box thing works? Bam, look at that. Uh, we'll just leave it like that. It looks kind of small, but maybe you can see it because your screen is bigger. Um, anyways, so that was perfect timing. Thank you, Michael. Um, also, Everson Griffin. So, and this ha- I swear this happened last year, too. This happened last year. So, Everson Griffin was brought in. Vikings fans freaked out. Then they cut him, and we were all like, ha-ha, he got cut because he's trash. And then they brought him right back. And it's like, what are you doing? But uh, so that was a, a, a bit of news, and that is no longer a bit of news. What time we got? I don't have very much time. Um, sorry, my wife is messaging me. The other thing, okay, not important. It's not about the kid. Uh, yeah, so Everson Griffin's going to be there. Um, let me just pull this up real quick because I need to do this. I want to look at Everson Griffin just so we know exactly what it is we're talking about because, again, you get Vikings fans who want to say that he's this great elite dynamic player. Not all of them, and I'm not saying all, but, you know, the ones that you find on Twitter, the ones that wander into Packers Twitter because they got a big mouth. Um, He, let's see, last year he had three sacks. Now, he didn't play the full year, granted, but um, what is that? Steve. Now I'm confused. Oh, multi-stream. Yeah, I forgot about multi-stream. Oh, shoot, I missed that. (laughs) I'm, I'm breaking everything. Uh, so he only had three sacks last year. If you look at his... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm looking at the wrong thing. So he had seven sacks last year, 33 pressures on 319 attempts. I'm not going to pull up the calculator. Let's call it 11%. It's 11%. It's not all that fantastic. Uh, the year prior to that, he had uh, 11 sacks. So that was when he had a really good year in Minnesota, but he also got released. The year prior to that, seven sacks, 28 pressures on 332 attempts. So 33 would have been 10%. So what are we calling that? Nine-ish, eight-ish percent? So the point is, I really wish I didn't have to... Well, that's right. I guess I'll go back and forth between comments and we'll make it work. I don't know why that's acting so weird. Um, He's fine. But one of the things that I I like to remind everybody, and this is the same with... uh, Who was it we were talking about? It was a guy that, whatever, I can't remember. There's a reason a guy like Everson Griffin keeps moving from team to team to team. Oh, it's the wide receiver that keeps getting moved around that I wanted the Packers to get and got cut again. He's not with the Bears, by the way, but I can't remember his name. Doesn't matter. The point is, Minnesota let him go. Dallas picked him up. He was terrible with Dallas. Dallas let him go. Detroit picked him up. 
He wasn't great with Detroit. Detroit cut him. Now he's back in Minnesota. He's also 33 going on 34 years old. So is their defensive line slightly better with Everson Griffin? Probably. It's, it's, it's almost the same thing I said with Yannick. It's probably a little bit better, but he's not anybody that I'm super scared of. When we're talking Elton Jenkins or David Bakhtiari or anybody like that, Everson's Griffin is, Everson Griffin is just a guy. He's a 10% pass rate, uh, pressure rate pass rusher. That's all he is. So it's not that big of a deal for anybody that was wondering. Um, all right, I want to pull this up quickly. It is, I got about 10 minutes here until the family gets home. So I want to look at this here. Um, let me, do I want to kick over to comments? No. Um, please keep sending them in because I'm going to do this and then we're going to go over to comments and that's how we're going to end it. I don't know why. So Multistream should have both YouTube and Facebook and I'm just getting Facebook. But if I go over to YouTube, then I get YouTube. But whatever, it's fine. It's broken for today, but it still works. I'll make it work. So quarterbacks, um, we did end up keeping Kurt Bankert, which is fantastic. I was a little bit concerned somebody would want to pick him up because he did have, I think he was a little bit overhyped, but he did have a very good... um, Camp. I think as far as you know, backup quarterbacks go. If we're talking about, he may be the backup to Jordan Love. And um, by the way, feel free to leave a comment in terms of your expectations uh, for Aaron Rodgers next year because I'm kind of curious. I, I've I've laid out my opinion, but I'm just curious where everybody stands. You think he's coming back? Is he 100 gone? Whatever. But um, if we're saying he's gone, Jordan Love is going to be our guy next year. Kurt Bankard isn't a terrible option as a number two quarterback. Again, it doesn't super matter because we're going to lose regardless if your starting quarterback goes out, and I don't think Kurt provides much, but um, still happy to have him back. He's a good dude. He's a good dude. Um, running backs outside of Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, and Kylan Hill, we did bring back Patrick Taylor. I talked about that, I think, yesterday on the stream, um, essentially saying that there's sort of the, the mind and heart thing. So I'm looking at Dexter. I like Dexter. He seems to be a good running back. Every time I see him run the ball, I think he does a good job. But I can just tell by the way that the Packers are handling that whole situation. They're probably going to try to bring back Patrick Taylor and cut uh, Dexter. And that's exactly what happened. So I'm fine with it. I like Patrick Taylor as well. He's a very bursty and very strong kind of running back. Um, but either way, I mean, again, it's it's all about the starters. And that's it's cool that we are able to retain most of our guys on the practice squad that we want to retain because some of these guys have shown a lot of promise, but especially when you talk about quarterback and Aaron Rodgers or running back when you have Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, Kylan Hill, it's kind of like, whatever. <laughs> I think we're fine. Um, so receivers, that was really no surprise. Once Devin Funches went out, it kind of became very obvious that Malik was going to be the guy, to me anyways. Um, we were able to bring into the practice squad. I was kind of surprised about Equinemius. I thought Equinemius would be similar to Dexter where they would just cut their losses and say, all right, we're kind of done with this. They did not. Um, They brought him back. They also brought back Jawan Winfrey, who's a guy they like, and they brought in Chris Blair to the practice squad. Um, At tight end, Mercedes, Robert Tunyon, Josiah Aguara, and Dominique Daphne. Now, I had mentioned this, and I'm I'm glad that we were able to stash Kaufusi, which we did. But I kind of mentioned, a lot of people said they thought Kalfusi would be the guy, and I, I kept saying, I think Daphne's the dude. I mean, they really like what he can do. He's a very versatile piece. He's a good blocker. He's kind of that, um, kind of a Mercedes Lewis, but I, I think, in my mind, he was a Mercedes Lewis, but the way that um, Coach Hahn, who's a guy that I work with on occasion, he's done some live streams here. Uh, you, if you've been around, you've probably seen that. Um, by the way, it just distracted me for a second, but you see Kyle's comment there on YouTube? You see that sweet badge he's got there? By the way, that's quite a rank you got there, good sir. If you subscribe, you get a rank, and the longer you're here, the the higher up your rank goes. So I don't know exactly how high that makes him, because I don't remember what I set that to, but that's how you get something like that. If you want to jump in, you want to be cool like Kyle, you can do that. Um, So yeah, so, so Daphne according to Coach Hahn, um, is kind of like a Josiah DeGuara type, sort of an H-back. He can play that sort of role. And then Kalfusi had a good camp, and it's cool to be able to stash him and use him on the practice squad. Um, Offensive line, Elton Jenkins, Billy Turner, Lucas Patrick. Lucas wasn't exactly a lock, but it kind of made sense. Josh Myers was a lock. Royce was a lock. Dennis Kelly I wasn't sure about. I don't even think I had him on my 53, um, which would have seemed silly because Again, he's he's a capable tackle that played with Matt LaFleur in the past. He seems like the most perfect fit for a plug-and-play guy, but he's just been terrible since he got here, so it's very strange. Um, and you got John Runyon was a lock. Yash was a, was a lock. As much as I just was ready to be done with the Yash experiment, 
Um, especially when I believe that strip of Jordan Love the one time was Yash's fault. If you look at PFF, he was one of the highest graded guys that we had throughout the entire preseason. Aside from that one pressure, he didn't give up very much. So he's done a actually a quality job. And the Packers have put him in there consistently as the number one tackle with our starters out. So that was kind of a lock. And then Jake Hansen was a bit of a surprise to me. Um, I'm happy because I was hopeful that he would make an impression um, true center because he played center, but he's obviously not going to be a center. So with uh, Corey Lindsley gone, Jake Hansen's kind of that guy. But um, I thought again, I thought he was kind of terrible. Maybe that's why he's there because we don't have a lot of guys that are just true ball snappers, and and he is. Uh, practice squad Ben Braden. That one sort of surprised me, but not really. Cole Van Lannen was very cool. I think I mentioned yesterday I would like to have him. Um, Katie, I think, asked me who you would like to have stashed, and I took a stab at it, and I mentioned Cole because he's a, a Wisconsin guy. And Capra, I, I don't remember his name even really coming up at all. Uh, defensive line, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, so the, I, I mentioned there's there's six, and it's almost a guarantee to be these six. Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, Tyler Lancaster, Kingsley Kiki, TJ Slate, and Jack Heflin. That is the six. That's exactly what I expected. Willington Pavilion was very much expected. Like I said, if they had kept seven, they would have kept Willington, I believe. Um, as far as who they would keep after that, toss a coin. I had no idea. They went with uh, Anderson Abdullah, whoever that is. Uh, outside linebackers, obviously, Zadarius Preston, Rashawn, Garvin, and Rivers. Very excited about that because um, I had mentioned that Garvin is pretty much going to be a lock. I wasn't sure who would get it after that. Um, I, I assumed they'd go with five. I thought it was possible they'd go with four, but um, Chauncey deserved it. And we'll see if he can translate what he did in training camp and preseason to the um, regular season. Because we've seen some guys flash, and then they go out there and they just can't do anything. But he definitely earned that spot. And we did stash Tippa. So I'm going to have to keep saying his name incorrectly. Um, Tippa Galea is on the practice squad. guy that's always flashed, but a guy that I also also feel like is just there's no way that he's ever really going to be a true starter. I just don't see how that's going to happen at 225 pounds or whatever he is. Um, linebacker also very cool. We got Campbell and Barnes. Um, they did go Burks and Summers, which they've kind of been the lock number two for a while now. But again, Oren Burks was so bad in that game and he really only had one good preseason. So I wasn't sure what would happen there, but they are sticking with Burks and Summers. And then they did stash McDuffie, not on the practice squad, on the active roster. So I was glad to see him do well enough to, to actually make it out there and you know, when you make the active roster, they're saying that we believe that we can trust you at least well enough to go out there and play poorly. So, so you got that going for you. And then as far as the stash, they went with Ray Wilborn. So that's cool. Cornerbacks, Jair, Kevin King, Shannon Sullivan, Eric Stokes. Yadam was the surprise, as I talked a little bit about yesterday, Shamar Jean Charles. And then KB Anento, fortunately, we did bring back. He was the guy that I said, I feel like he should stay ahead of Yadam or Yadam or whatever. Um, but it also, again, the, the, the head-heart thing, or that's not really the right way to say it, but it feels like Ento is better than Yadam, but it also feels like the Packers made that trade. They're gonna, they've invested in him, and they believe there's something there, and they want to actually put some effort into him more than just a couple weeks, see what happens. But they also don't want to lose Ento, so they were able to get him on practice squad. So that's cool. Safety, uh, Amos Savage, Black, and Vernon Scott. Kind of a lock in my mind. I think they might be home. I'm not positive. Um, and then Innis Gaines got stashed on the practice squad, which is quite cool. No comments for come upstairs, so we're good to go. Um, and then obviously the specialists, Crosby, Bajorquez, and Hunter Bradley. I think it's Bajorquez. Practice squad, J.J. Molson. So they're hanging on to Mr. J.J. Molson. There was, I think it was Andy Herman had mentioned something to the effect on Twitter of this may be Mason Crosby's last ride. There's no question they've been trying to push that guy out for a long time, as much as I hate to say it. They keep bringing in guys to compete, but Mason is just automatic, and these other guys just can't compete with him. But they want him. You know, you got to find a guy. As much as I don't want him gone, you got to find a guy. You got to continually find replacements, and they're going to keep taking a swing at it. J.J. Molson has done a... uh, a good job, and, and we'll see what happens with, with Mason. He may get called up sooner than later if, if Mason is up in his own head. All right, turning uh, quickly to the comments here. Actually, why don't we do this? Should I do this? It's been 20 minutes. That's, that's, let's take a break. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back and do comments, and then, um, and then we'll get out of here. I think, we can, I think I can squeeze that in. We'll see how it works. Mmm. 
the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. For those of you on YouTube who are wondering why I do that, I put a little pause in there so I can see where the break is and then I can insert the ads there. That's really all I do. All right, so since... um, Oh, multi-stream does work kind of. But anyways, let's start over here on the YouTube thing and then we'll switch over to the other one. Uh, Andy Arias says new punter hype, so he's still excited about the... A lot of people still excited about the punter hype, which by the way... I did get some confirmation of some of the things I thought. I was looking at some of the comments on the punter thing. I saw multiple comments about he can't even tackle, which just, <laughs> that just kills me. But whatever, Every, you know, whatever. Uh, he says, also, Florida game in September, get the Gatorade ready. Yeah, the boys are going to be a little bit hot. I, I forgot to mention that. So the, the Green Bay Packers game, I'm sure you already know, but it has officially been scheduled uh, to be in Jacksonville. I would be lying if I said I wasn't considering going. I know that seems weird because I said I don't like going to games, but I do love Florida, and I do love vacations, and so if you can kind of work that out, it's great. Um, and the only reason I'm thinking it outside of that is because the expectation is that the ticket prices, because it's last minute, are going to be very, very low. So depending on airline fare and hotel costs, which is probably going to make it prohibitive, but, you know, it's on my mind. It's something that I'm considering, so we'll, <laughs> we'll play that one by ear. Um, Michael says, hey, I missed the last stream. That was more brilliant work by Goot. Great job on the 53 and the practice squad. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm happy about the team overall. Um, there's not a lot that I would have done differently. Even, you know, to be completely honest, and I know I've been trying to kind of pump the brakes on the punter, there's no way I would have just outright nixed it. I would have been cautious, but I completely understand the move. So if we're talking about what I would have done 100% different, I'm sure I could pick out a couple things, but... Not much. I'm I'm very excited about the team. Um, uh, Brett says, I believe this will work. I also believe you can show your screen when going off PFF numbers. That would be clutch. Others do it all the time. So I have done that in the past. I don't like to do it, um, partially because I don't want PFF to find out and, you know, boot me off their platform or whatever, which wouldn't matter. I can just create a new account and go on there. But um, also because I just don't think it's really fair to them. Maybe they don't care. If they gave me permission, I would. I know I've, I, I think I've done that when I did my stream. I shared some of the PFF grades, and I tried to do it to a minimum. Because, again, it's just, it doesn't seem fair to them. You know, they have a product that you have to pay a lot of money for, and I'm just giving it away for free. But I don't know. I might do that once in a while. All right. We're done with the punter comments. We did that all day yesterday. Um, we already asked that question yesterday. Kyle, who is a subscriber, Kyle, thank you. Welcome. The new role that, def- uh, defenders cannot chop the O-line is huge. That is very true. And Matt LaFleur said so. Does that make you worried about us having weak linebackers and forcing our DBs to make business decisions against guys, 100, 200 pounds heavier than them? Um, that was the only time I saw that come into play. That was essentially what I was looking at. You had these big, massive offensive linemen who were moving down the field. And I think it was a safety, actually, that had come up and chopped him down because that was the only way he's about to take this guy on. Um, and um, so he brought him down, and that was a penalty. And you can't do that anymore. And so the, the, the obvious objection to that by a lot of teams is, how the heck am I supposed to do that? And the answer is, well, you can't. Um, Thank you, Marcus, for following on Facebook. I truly appreciate that. By the way, if you're not subscribed, please subscribe to the channel. Hit the little bell notification so you don't miss anything. Make sure you like the Pack on a Podcast Facebook page and uh, try to get notifications set up on that if you can. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's kind of a two-way street. I mean, it, it makes it probably a little bit harder. Though The only thing I can think, though, is have you seen how many times big offensive linemen try to get out in space and block guys? They struggle a lot. So, granted, that is a nice little tool in the toolbox, but I've seen very a lot of corners, safeties, and linebackers just kind of scoot around them and make a tackle. They're just going to have to do athletic things. And to be completely honest, being athletic, um, you call them weak uh, linebackers, might even be to their credit. Because I think, you know, if you take a 260-pound linebacker, a big guy, to try to take out an offensive lineman, he'll probably do a better job, but he's still going to lose to a 310-pound offensive lineman if he just tries to lock horns with him, he's probably going to lose. I think that's what an offensive lineman would like. Like, come please lock horns with me. What he doesn't want is too much wiggle. So I think, um, 
it is going to make things difficult, and that's probably something that these guys are trained to do as one of the tools in their toolbox that's going to get taken out. The opposite side of that, though, is we also play offense, and so we can't chop guys down, but they also can't chop us down. So it'll help us out maybe a little bit on offense. Again, it's just one of those things where it's it sucks, but it's it, it applies to everybody. So I guess I'll I'll accept that. Um, but beep, but a boom. Daniel says, I'm not worried about the defensive line coaches nor the DB coaches. The biggest weakness is the center of the field. If he, Barry, can put it together, they'll do big things. That's kind of been my contention all along. The um, The linebackers have been a weakness, but but the biggest strength in this preseason for our defense has been the linebackers, which has been a shocking revelation. That has never happened, not even accidentally. Not in the preseason, not in the regular season. There's never been an accidental time where our linebackers are the best on the field. So... Again, I'm, I, I don't want to be overly optimistic because it seems kind of silly that one guy's going to come in and just transform our linebackers. Joe Barry's never done that before, to my knowledge. And also, considering the, not to be mean to Chris Barnes and the rest, but we don't exactly have Luke Keekleys all over our team. So it seems unlikely. But again, just watching the preseason and seeing how competent they look and just having a clear assigned mission that just the way that the rest of the defense works, it's set up to make the job easier for the linebacker. That's almost the way that it seems to work. He's a linebacker's coach who tries to, who understands how to make the linebacker's job easier. Again, maybe it's a fluke. Maybe the defensive line just played so well and and the edge guys played so well that it made the job easier for the linebackers and that all falls apart. But it just felt so perfect. The way that everything was perfectly spread out, the way these guys, you know, there's just one little hole and they just fly through and make a play. The linebackers did a good job, but again, I really feel like it was set up for them to do so. Every time I remember seeing linebackers blitz under Mike Patton or safeties or corners, it was just a pile of guys, and they came running, and they ran into the back of a pile of guys and didn't go anywhere. What is the point of that? just didn't seem like there was a lot of thought in there. So again, we'll see if it carries over into the regular season, but if he's able to do that, just like you said, with the talent at corner, the talent at defensive line, the talent off the edge, and the talent at safety, if we can just kind of find a way to maneuver these guys into looking halfway decent. This is an incredible unit. Um, Andy Arias says, I'm super excited for Darnell Savage this year. I'm expecting him to fly all over the field making plays, Nick Collins-esque. So he is one of the more exciting prospects because he's similar to Jair with his athleticism, especially at safety, though. Like you said, his ability to fly around is just one of those things where if he gets it up here, which it kind of seems like in the second half of the season he did, he was, I think, the second highest graded safety. Um, how long is that going to take me to pull up? I think he was one of the the highest or, or second highest safety. So it was him and Amos in the second half of the year. Give, give me one second to pull this up here. Um, i got to delete all these weeks. So I'm looking at safety. I can see Amos is at the top, but that was for the whole thing. It's going to load for a minute. But he was one of the top guys in the second half of the year. Here it is. Yeah, age, so starting in, I just randomly picked a week. From week 11 to week 18, the number one safety, you know who it was? It was Adrian Amos. You know who was number two? It was Darnell Savage. Those are the top two safeties in the NFL from week 11 on. It might have even been week 10. I just picked a random week, and I looked at it, and there you go. Um, top two guys. He absolutely figured it out. If I click on Darnell Savage just by himself, and we saw especially the, the uh, let's look up some of his stats. So for him, it really started in week 11. He did have some bad games against Philly, 37 overall grade. His last three weeks didn't grade out super well, but obviously uh, week 12, 96.3, highest graded player in the entire NFL that week. One of the highest of the entire year for any player on any team. Not only that, though, you've got the... Uh, the four interceptions and seven pass breakups, which is fantastic, especially considering he didn't have a single interception until week 12. So again, the whole figuring it out thing. And, and so, so it started off the season until week 10, he really didn't have a single good game. Then a light switch went off and he went from really, really good with a couple bad games mixed in. If we get a little bit more consistency, a little bit more rhythm. And again, it's such a mental thing for every position, but safety is one of the high mental things. If he can really read and see and understand and then use that that unbelievably fast, blazing speed that he has, there's no question this can be one of the biggest assets we have on this entire team. We haven't 100% seen it, but if you want to go back and watch Week 12 against Chicago, again, you want to know how good he can be? Best One of the best performances of any player on any team the entire year was Darnell Savage against uh, Chicago. He also had an unbelievable game against Tennessee. Go back and watch that. Um, he had two interceptions in that game. He allowed a 0.0 passer rating. So, 
you know, there are some guys that you get excited about, like Kingsley Kiki, where it's like, yeah, Kingsley Kiki, he could be real good. But his ceiling is not Darnell Savage, right? But that's the cool thing about the Green Bay Packers is they get a lot of Darnell Savage type guys. And I always get upset because it's like, can you just get some good football players? I'm tired of these high ceiling guys that just aren't good football players. But when you get a high ceiling guy like Jair that figures it out, you realize that's how you get not just good, number one in the NFL. Darnell Savage, he has, like you said, Nick Collins-esque ability, rare ability. Uh, Stokes, he might be straight trash. He might be the next Kevin King, just can't do anything. No offense to Kevin King, don't mean to call you trash, just, you know, it hasn't super panned out, bud, I'm sorry. Um, But, you know, he has that ability where if if he gets it, if it can click with him, and remember, we have one of the best DB coaches in the NFL. I don't know how the Vikings let this guy slip away, but he did. Um, they should have offered him whatever job it would take to get him to stay because everybody that went through, especially the safeties, just dominated. And we got him, and now we had the top two safeties in the second half of the season, and Jair had the best year ever. So I don't know how we got the guy, but we got the guy. Now Stokes has him as a coach, and Jair has him as a, as a, as a mentor to teach him stuff. If he can figure it out, crazy. But, you know, anyways, just going off on a little tangent there. Pack Attack says, I know it's early, but what are the chances Kylan Hill replaces Aaron Jones after 2022? Once AJ's cap number spikes, we haven't seen much of Hill, but he flashes. So again, I, th- I think the point where you're saying that um, it's early is probably your, the, the best point. <laughs> it's, it's just too early, man. I mean, we don't even know if he's going to be a good player in the NFL. He definitely flashes. He definitely, I think the reason we're all excited is because we watch him and we see Aaron Jones. That's just that's just the reality. You watch him and just go, that guy, that that looked that looked exactly like Aaron Jones. The way he runs, his ability to find something when it seems like there's nothing there. Jeff Nelson, thank you very much for liking the page. Greatly appreciated, sir. Um, his ability to do those things is seemingly fantastic. Um, but I'm still curious what A.J. Dillon can do. I'm, you know, I, I don't know any of these things. Can he? Of course he can. But I guess at this point, I don't know. Um, Phillips says that rookie free agent defensive tackle is going to be really good too. I believe he and Clark make a super combination. Little, little bearish on that. I, I like him, Heflin, a lot. I'm assuming that's who you're talking about. I like Heflin the same way I like Lancaster. He's just a, a really good try hard that really just gets it. And, and again, I think his ceiling is really low, but he, he gets to, he plays at his ceiling every day. And that's just an awesome asset to have. And I, I think Lancaster is very similar to that. I want to kick over to this side now. I should be getting all the comments, but we'll kick over to Facebook. Sorry for neglecting you, Facebook. So far, no, uh, let's see. Let me just check my messages here. All right, I think we're good. I'm getting scolded for leaving the dog in the pen, but otherwise I think we're fine. Uh, Terrell says, go, Pack, go. Drew says, go, Pack, go. Uh, Terrell says, crazy, crazy Reggie didn't make the practice squad. Um yeah, so that would that would be one of the bigger surprises that um, I guess slipped my mind. Um, again, he played really well. He had special teams ability, and he and Jordan Love had great chemistry, which probably doesn't mean anything. But if next year, if Jordan Love is the guy, and we got a bunch of guys that are up for contract next year that we might be losing, I feel like that would be one of the guys at the top of the list that you want to at least see if maybe, you know, whatever. But he'll probably be available. We'll be able to get him if we're really interested in him. Um, Drew says, geez, the Vikings can't catch a break. That is that is very true. They can't. Um, all the more reason, by the way, for them to abandon this plan of just strangling, just trying as hard as they can to hang on to whatever they have left. They have to be able to find newer guys. They have to really start hitting in the draft. They got to start, you know, working toward the future, build toward the future. Everybody's least favorite saying in the world, you got to build toward the future because this kind of stuff happens and you got to have something to fall back on. Uh Terrell says, first time in your live stream, want to see how you have the whole group going crazy every time you go live. I appreciate that, man. I didn't know everybody. I wish more people would show up, to be completely honest, but um, it is what it is. What does that say? Oh, come on, man. It didn't pop up on my notifications here, but I don't know. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait because I think that's not real. Um, so yeah, I appreciate that. I, I So if you guys are listening on the podcast, I would encourage you to come on over. Again, I know I'm probably annoying you because things aren't perfectly done or whatever. I hope today's been a little bit better. I feel like I've been a little bit more on task. I know I just got distracted two seconds ago and I'm checking my phone and all that, but give me a little bit of time. I'm going to get this down to a science. Um, 
My wife has liked my stream. Hello, thank you. There's the comment. Look at that. Oh, my goodness. Ryan Pugue. I'm going to mess up your last name. Um, super chat at $100. Says, listen to you every day and have never donated. Thanks for the content. That's... Um, Thank you very much for that. I, I I wish there were words for that kind of stuff, but I don't know what else to say other than thank you very, very much. Um, I got nothing, but thank you. <laughs> Feel free to reach out if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or whatever. Um, that's unbelievably helpful for the, uh, the podcast. Um, Steve says, seven people watching. Thank you, Steve. <laughs> thank you for the, for the horrible update. Um, Let's see, he said, store that question for another day, so I'm not going to read it. Sorry, Daniel, just hit me up with that later. Bakhtiari will miss versus six games. Yes, he will. Is Rashawn Pro Bowl bound, says Andrew Lloyd Path. I'm going to... I'll put one caveat on this, and then I'm going to say yes. And the caveat is they have to give him opportunities. And I know I've said this on the podcast before. Let me pull it up here. I've said this on the podcast before. Um... If he just had the opportunities that Zadarius had, he would all he would already be in the conversation. The only reason people don't know about Rashawn Gary is because he doesn't get the opportunities. I've got my calculator right here. He had nine sacks. He only played 530 snaps. So let me put that into perspective for you real quick and pull up, let's say, Preston Smith. No, let's just do Zadarius because that's who we want to look at anyway. So Zadarius Smith, just for comparison's sake, again... Um, Rashawn, 530 total snaps, 349 times he rushed the passer. Zadarius, 958 snaps, 612 pass rush reps. So he rushed the passer, Zadarius, um, almost 100 times more than Rashawn even stepped foot on the field. Rashawn Gary, nine sacks, Zadarius 14. So if we look at a sack rate, let's just look at sack rate first. I think they show me that somewhere, but I'm just going to use the trusty old calculator. 14 sacks divided by 612 opportunities, 2% of the time, 2.28, we'll call it 2.3% of the time, Zadarius Smith got a sack. I don't really know if that's good or bad because I don't usually look at sack rate. Let's look at Rashawn Gary, who had nine sacks in 349 opportunities, 2.6. So it's it's high. Again, it's they're all going to be smaller numbers. I don't know what's good or bad, but it's higher. He almost had double-digit sacks being a part-time pass rusher. If you give him the same amount of opportunities, let's do it that way. Let's look at two point well, whatever times how many do you have? Six hundred and twelve opportunities. Sorry if you can hear the dog barking. Obviously, nobody's going to take the dog out. He would have had fifteen point seven eight sacks. Call it sixteen. If he had just played opposite Zadarius Smith every time Zadarius is out there, he's out there. He would have had sixteen sacks on the season. Sixteen. So let me look at the. Um, the pass rushers here. If we go by position, we'll come down to edge rushers, and we'll look at sacks. Uh, why is that so low? Because we're in 2021 preseason. That's not what we want. There we go. So if we look at sacks, TJ Watt led the NFL with 15. If Rashawn Gary had played the entire season the same amount of time as Zadarius Smith had, he would have been number one in sacks in the NFL. Now, obviously, you can't 100% one-to-one compare, but I just did. Same thing with pressures. If you look at pressures, he had 46 pressures. This is the, the stat I like to use. How many pressures when you're trying to run? How many times when you're trying to affect the quarterback do you affect the quarterback? 46 pressures on 349 attempts, not 3,000. 13.2. That's a good number. It's not super elite. I think Zadarius was like 17 in 2019 when he went nuts, but 13 is fantastic. Again, if we use those same uh, statistics times, how many times Zadarius was out there? 612 times. We're talking 80 pressures and 16 sacks. So, and, and he's continuing to improve. So it's all about opportunities. I believe genuinely if he gets the opportunities, he'll be Pro Bowl bound. However, I guess there's two caveats here. Number one, I don't think he's going to get the opportunities. I think Preston is going to be out there a lot. Um, I don't know why. I don't know why they continue to do that. They like Preston. I think he's just more versatile. I think he also probably has a better understanding of, of things than Rashawn does, but um, that's annoying. The other, the other thing working against um, Rashawn Gary is that these Pro Bowl voters who are just kind of stupid, um, they're always a year behind. 
Zadarius Smith was by far the best pass rusher in the entire NFL. Ron, thank you very much for liking the, uh, the Packernet podcast on Facebook. By far the best in the NFL. By far. It wasn't even close. He was better than um, Khalil Mack. He was better than the Bosas. He was better than the Watts. He was better than everybody. He did not go to the Pro Bowl. Last year, he was probably arguably outside of Brian. Thank you very much for liking the Packernet podcast on Facebook. He was arguably outside of the top 10 as a pass rusher. They, they threw him in there. How does that make sense? They're always a year behind. So it could be a situation too where Rashawn is arguably a pro bowler and they're not going to put him in because of big name guys. They're going to put the big name guys in because at the end of the day, these voters are just not very bright. Will he have earned a pro bowl nod? I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say he will have earned it if they give him the opportunities. But arguably, just looking at a per snap basis, I think he was he's he's already there. So fantastic question, and yes, um, we kept a kicker on the practice squad. Do you think there's any chance we bring J.K. back to the practice squad? I don't. It's possible, but I don't. Especially if my theory about the COVID thing is in any way true, then they wouldn't. Um, Kyle, who is a uh, subscriber, thank you very much, Kyle. You can uh, look down below if you're on YouTube and you like what I'm doing. You like, uh, you know, my graphics and my face and my beard and my uh, demeanor. Um, you can subscribe. I don't know why. I listed all of my worst attributes and just said, <laughs> go ahead and subscribe. Kyle says, the new role that defenders cannot... Ch- oh, you, I already asked that. I already did some of these YouTubers. I forgot about that. Uh, Drew says, thank you, uh, Goose. I was like, oh, who's sending me crazy money? Goose in Canada sends me a $2.79 donation because in Canada they have stupid funny money. That's just that's kind of a joke, but I have been to Canada twice, and it, it is some crazy-looking money. Like, there's kids playing hockey and stuff. It's like, this is Monopoly money. This is fake. But I do appreciate you sending me um, money that is translated into real currency. I appreciate that. Um, Drew says, I'm leaning towards keeping Rodgers one more year. Love is not ready, and the Packers continually state that this isn't necessarily Rodgers' last year. Um, I I would definitely agree with trying to. The two biggest hurdles, number one, does Rodgers even want to come back? How do you convince him to come back? Win the Super Bowl would help, um, but there's, you know, whatever. And then um, number two issue is the salary cap, because I feel like we have built and structured the salary cap right now to not be able to survive with Aaron Rodgers on it unless we just completely build him a brand new restructured entirely rebuilt contract that just dumps all the money out of it but i just i don't know how that happens i really don't um but i hear you i i do think that we're probably in trouble with jordan love next year i love jordan love he seems like a great dude uh we've seen some positives but i just feel like based on what we've seen it's going to be a bumpy road um Read those, read those. Um, Goose says, yo, I'm home, what I miss? I can't repeat it all, man, but uh, this video will be on YouTube. You can check it out. Um, Philip, who was talking, this is referring back to Heflin on his prior comment, says he seems a little better than Lancaster. He does. He absolutely does. I'm just, that's just sort of my general thought right now. Um, once again, thank you very much, Ryan, for that $100 super chat. That is incredible. Uh, Philip says, imagine Kevin King coming back and having a big year. That would be huge. Yeah. And I I think I talked about it yesterday. Um, Streamlabs, thank you for reiterating something. I just, so I added Streamlabs, which is what I use to be a moderator, even though I didn't tell it to do anything because all the things it can do are stupid. And apparently it's only job right now is to reiterate things that I already know. (laughs) Idiot. Um, so I think I talked about it yesterday, so I don't want to spend a... Thumbs up, Daddy, says Collins. I guess he's doing good. Hey, buddy. Love you. Um, I talked about it yesterday for the fifth time now. Um, he is in a contract year, and he did have a pretty decent 2019. Now, granted, it was mostly just because of the interceptions. But I do think there's a chance. I want to hold out hope. The last time I held out hope for a bad corner, it was Demarius Randall after he had, I think he had a pulled groin, and that was like the reason why he didn't do well, and he was really, really having a hard time coming out of his break and these kinds of things. And so I thought, okay, you, you can't come out of your break because you pulled your groin, and now that that's healed, you're going to be really good, right? And so I had, it was like one episode. I remember this. I think we were in Ohio. I was doing the podcast in my car um, on a really cruddy laptop that I had to hurry up and do because the battery kept dying on it, and I lost the whole podcast. Um, but I remember I had to do that. Um, 
And it was like within a day, I was like the very next day, there must have been a game shortly after that, and he was terrible. I went back on the podcast, and I was like, I take it all back, the guy's trash. So we'll see what happens. I'm a little bearish again on it, and uh, the only reason I remember the difference between bear and bull is because the bears still suck. That's a little little trick for you if you're wondering. But I'm a little bearish on that. Um, where are we at? Where are we at? Where are we at? Brian says, will Z be healthy for week one? I actually, that's a fantastic question. I, they seemed pessimistic about it, which which scares me to death, and I'd rather not think about it, but I guess I have to. It's sort of my job. Um, they seemed pessimistic. I don't remember if, I think it was Brian Gutekunst that was talking. It could have been Murphy, could have been Lafleur. I don't know. But just the tone of it was, you know, I don't know. We'll see. John Crow, thank you very, very much for liking the Packernet Podcast on Facebook. We're killing it today on Facebook, as well as the uh, Super Chats. You guys are awesome. I really appreciate all that. Where are we at? Where are we at? Um, Jason, who is also a subscriber, thank you very much. I believe. I think that's what the little green thing is there. Uh, bummed that Uphoff did not make the practice squad. Uphoff didn't? Am I lost? Who? Oh, Innis Gaines did. Uphoff. Yeah, so I don't know, man. It was kind of a, a toss-up between those two. I, I don't know. I'm not sure why. I guess there's only so many spaces, and it is what it is. But Uphoff is also one of those guys where he he could legitimately be back. I know the Packers like him to some degree. It could be one of those things where somebody gets cut, somebody gets hurt, gets put on IR. So somebody from the practice squad gets cut up, called up, like Innis Gaines, and who gets brought back on the practice squad? It's, you know, it's it's our guy. Because um, I don't, you know, Uphoff isn't going to command a ton of, you know, um, interest around the league. So could come back. Brian says, uh, rookies on the offensive line make me nervous, especially against good defensive front like the 49ers and the same. I agree. I, it does make me nervous. I'm, I'm excited because it's been all good news about Josh Myers. It's been a ton of good news about Roy, Rolls-Royce Newman. It's another little trick for you. If you, like me, are stupid and can't remember his name, Aaron Wagner, thank you very much for liking the stream on Facebook. You're my hero. You're my superhero. Um, but it does make you nervous, you know, especially just simple miscommunications. You saw Josh Myers make a pretty critical mistake where he didn't snap the ball and Aaron Rodgers tore him up, stuff like that happens. Um, but then you also have guys like Elton Jenkins who start right away and are just good football players, and that's just what they are. And plus, I mean, you even got guys like Billy Turner, if I may make fun of my favorite punching bag on the team, um, who are veterans and who have been playing for a very long time and get in the NFC Championship game and decide that they forgot how to play football. So these things these things have a way of working themselves out. Um Sedarius so does get double-teamed double a ton, though, would get more of single-team. That's true, according to Jason. That is true. That was one of the metrics. I forget where that was, but he was most or second-most double-teamed player in the entire NFL, so um, that is a very good point. Also, all the more reason to put Rashawn out there, because if Rashawn's tearing you up and Kenny can get back to being a competent player, you can't double-team the guy all day long. Uh, it's also one of the benefits of having a defensive coordinator like this. I have to assume that if you're going to double up Zadarius Smith, that's going to create opportunities. If, for example, we're blitzing a linebacker, something that our new defensive coordinator seems very uh, interested in doing, shall we say. Um, I don't know how you account for everybody and double-team Zadarius and pick up a blitz from a linebacker. I feel like that's going to be a struggle. And so, you know, I've had some people pessimistic or bearish, if I may use my fancy term for the third time, on the defense overall and, and about regression. But... Um, to be completely honest, I think um, I think for for a lot of reasons, and that being one of them, Sedarius is is probably in store for a bit of a bounce back. If I had to guess, I don't know, but just for that reason. But yeah, as was said earlier, we got to get him back first. So baby steps, I suppose. Um, my wife says thumbs up from Cullen again. Glad glad he's doing good. Preston would be better at end on the inside on pass rushing situations. I don't think they've ever used him in that capacity. Philip Black King says, I just don't know. I, I, so that's, that's part of the reason I think they like Preston is because he's sort of that guy. Um, he's obviously a lot bigger, but he's sort of our new Kyler Fackrell. He is strictly an outside linebacker, and he's one of the only guys that ever drops in coverage. And we just don't have, like Zadarius, we don't drop him. Zadarius we use outside and inside. Rashawn is mostly an outside guy, but they want to bring him up to being the next Zedarius. Preston, we just, again, we just, we don't have a lot of Prestons. So I think that's the situation. We could try him. I could look up his, his, uh, let me just do it. Just so I'm not just making things up and you think that I'm just full of it. Um, which by the way, I'm not, I back up everything I say, just sometimes I get stuff wrong. So let's just verify that what I'm saying is correct. So if you look at his defensive line snaps, 
Um, out of 872, 417 were left outside linebackers, stand-up outside linebacker, 430 right outside linebackers. So there's a ton of other random things that you can line up at, but the the second or the third most place outside of outside linebacker that he lined up was um, right end outside, which is hand in the dirt, edge rusher, 10 snaps. So again, almost never. 10 snaps is the absolute most. He also did 10 uh, in the slot because because we're stupid. Um, so, I mean, he is, when I say he's strictly stand-up outside linebacker, I mean, he is very strictly stand-up outside line. But you could be right. They don't, I, one thing I wish PFF would add, and I'm getting greedy because they put a ton of stuff on here. I wish they had the ability to break down grades based on alignment because that would be huge to be able to look at. They kind of are starting to do that with corner and stuff. Um, you know, things like um, man and zone. Now they broke down the grades. I would love to be able to say as an outside linebacker, here are his grades. As a uh, left end outside, here are his grades. Here, as a you know defensive tackle, these are his grades. But they don't. Um, let's see. Goose, will any, of our, will any of our inside linebackers be considered top of the league? I'm still going to say no. Um, there is potential for that for two reasons. Again, the obvious one is the scheme that makes things easier for our linebackers. But the second is there are not that many top-end elite linebackers. Now, there are some guys who get a lot of respect that don't deserve it, um, that the media are going to pump up, so we'll, we'll never hear about it. Um, and the fact that our guys aren't first-round picks, the fact that our guys aren't Patrick Queen, who's one of the worst linebackers in football last year, but he's a first-round pick, and if he makes some splash plays, everybody's going to talk about how great he is. Whereas if our undrafted free agents... Um, go out and make some great plays. Nobody cares. Nobody's going to say anything because again, the fact of the matter is, and I'm not just trying to toot my own horn here, although I kind of am. The reason why I would want you to come listen to me as opposed to the guys on ESPN and NFL network, despite the fact that a lot of these guys played football and are extremely smart in a lot of different ways, they're very lazy when it comes to actually, you know, because there's just too much out there. There's too much all around the NFL and their job is to sit in front of the camera and do, I don't know, whatever it is they do. But the, the commentary and, and the things that they fully in, understand on an in-depth level um, are kind of embarrassing sometimes, um, you know, especially when you get into the Skip Bayless-type levels and everything. It's like, what are you even talking about, man? They, they can't back up anything they say. It's just it's nonsense. And again, it's, it's always very shallow thinking. All right, first-round pick, going to be great, right? All these first-round pick linebackers are elite because they're super fast, and half of them are terrible. A lot of these guys are really, really terrible, but they get all the accolades and everything, and it drives me nuts, especially linebackers. So um, could we have very good linebackers this year because of the scheme? Yes. Will they ever get any credit? Very unlikely, but we'll see. They might get some. You know, you, you get one of these on on game day, the announcers will say it because they get updates, you know, while they come in there, people get them up to speed on what's going on because they don't actually have any idea what's going on. And they'll be like, oh, the linebackers actually look really good. And then they'll say it on the on the telecast, but that's about it. Okay. Feeling good today. Feeling good. We're flying, man. I didn't think, I thought it was going to be a short one. It's not. It's a, uh, it is in fact another long one. And uh, again, I hope the people listening on the podcast are are, fe- are sensing a little improvement here. I'm feeling pretty good about it. Um, Goose says, "Oh, it's totally monopoly money." I'm glad. I'm glad we're on the same page because I was, I was kind of surprised. Also, the fact that there's so many coins. Like, here's a bunch of coins, and then here's our monopoly money. And I'm like, this. What am I? Well, I won't get into details of why the coins were not helpful. But anyways, uh, Lupe Di Fiasco, best name in the comments section, says a player playing a player playing a one three a third of the snaps is going to be a fresher is going to be fresher improves the quality of the snaps bottom line you need more than 12th overall pick i eh, you're you're reaching man there's a lot of guys that get very little snaps that suck getting the quality nine sacks come on you're you're reaching you just don't like Rashawn. i can sense the bias in you that's crazy you need more from a 12th how do you want more than nine sacks Come on, Lupe. You're being un- you're being unfair. That's completely unfair. There is nobody, nobody with that little amount of snaps that did as well as Rashawn. Your bias is just bleeding out of your eyeballs, man. I didn't like the pick either, but you gotta you gotta give the guy props when he deserved it, and he deserved it last year, a hundred percent. Lupe says, "I like Canadian bills are shiny and clean looking. They are shiny. That's true. They're just they look like a child." Um, you know, made it for art class. Um, let's see. Philip Black King says, well, remember Rogers was kind of bumpy at first too. That is very true. Um, my, my, my whole thing with that, and I said it about Devontae too, 
it does prove that we don't know that he's he's going to be bad, but it doesn't automatically mean they're going to be good. That's an important distinction. It's an obvious distinction, but some people use that as their reasoning for believing they're going to be good, and that doesn't make any sense. So it does. It only works in one direction. Uh, Ryan, the uh, donor of the day, says, "What's the YouTube live schedule going to be?" I missed the beginning of the stream. If you already spoke of it, so the the thing that I did say is that it's going to be very hard to give you a, a, a schedule because. My time is just what it is. Today was a little bit unusual because the family was gone. I wanted to sneak down here and try to get this out of the way so that you know I'd have the rest of the afternoon and everything. Um, generally, it's going to be 6.30 to 7 is when it's going to start. So be ready around 6.30 to 7. But again, if you just hit the notifications, um, you'll, you'll get a little notification and you're live and you can pop on and I would, I would appreciate it if you could. Jason says Packers are 6-10 and 10 in Rogers' first season of starting. IIRC. I don't know. What does that mean? I in I'm in rear car. I'm sorry. Well, I hope you get out soon. Um I don't recall that, but yeah, I, I know Rogers definitely struggled in the beginning. Uh argument going on, don't need to comment on that. Uh don't know. Will the Packers make so if you well, I I'll I'll leave it alone. I'm skipping a couple comments because I, I want to kind of get to the bottom and also I don't want to have people listen to me read things and then skip it. Um Black, uh, Philip Black King, I hope Josh is good this year. I would be a, it would be a double whammy, that big running back Dylan late in games. The size will wear the opponents down. Jo- oh, Josh Myers. All right. Again, I'm, I'm real slow, especially when we get into like an hour of streaming. So if you can do first and last name, that would be helpful. <laughs> I hope Josh is good this year. It'll be a double whammy. Um, yeah, man. Um, so it's going to be hard to replace Corey Lindsley. So my general thought is I'm not expecting to improve at center. I just want him to be able to do his job. And, and I think if we can just do that, we can have these guys rolling. A poll is going on for how many games will the Packers win. <laughs> so thank you, Streamlabs moderator. Um, I don't know why that even popped up. I don't think, can you even vote on it? Oh, you can. That's crazy. Hold on. I'm sorry. You guys are going to have to bear with me for one second on the uh, on the thing. I need to pop this up here. So anyways, I uh, I started a poll, and I see you guys are voting on it, and I don't know how you even vote on it. I don't know how you're doing that. But um, anyways, I, uh, I thought that that was just for Twitch, and I'm like, well, never mind. That's stupid. I won't even do that. And apparently it's going, and people are voting on it, and I don't even see it anywhere. So <laughs> that's, that's super random. Um but anyways, um, see now now is when everything's falling apart because I just I have to find that I got to go here polls. There you go, it's going live. So one vote for ten, one person voted. I don't know. You guys are gonna have to explain this to me. We'll get it going. So I'm excited about it. Again, we'll work out the kinks. I'm sorry, I'm I'm getting distracted, but I'm kind of excited that polls seem to be working. I can do polls on the stream. More incentive for you guys to show up. That's fantastic. Um, other people are voting, but I'm not seeing it come through on the results here. So I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Moving on. Um, skipping the arguments. Uh, let's see. A lot of arguments. Take it Take it somewhere private, man. I might have to call it. Uh, Rashawn had five sacks. No, he didn't. So PFF counts half sacks as sacks, first of all. So I don't know if that's maybe the differentiating factor. But um, which I think they should, because if you get there and you sack the quarterback, you sack the quarterback. You don't get half sacks. But either way, even if it was five sacks, let me just double check to make sure that that's what it says here. Yep, nine sacks. Uh, two against Detroit, one against Jacksonville, three against Philly, one against Detroit, two against uh, LA in the playoffs against the Rams. So um, he also had seven pressures and two sacks. So um, Dakota. Thank you for subscribing to the uh, YouTube channel. Really greatly appreciate that. Okay. Rashawn did only have five sacks. Nope, he didn't. I mean, again, he did. He had five statistical sacks if you look up his sacks. I'm telling you, though, he had nine times when he tackled the quarterback behind the line of scrimmage. There was also another guy standing there when he did it. So those are his half sacks. Um, LARC, I recall correctly. Oh, thanks, Goose. All right, we might have to call it here. 
Dakota, who is the new subscriber, though, gets the last comment. I made it to YouTube Live. Hopefully, I get notifications in the future. Anyways, what's up, my guy? What's up, my guy? Is that I'm going to call it, but I appreciate you being here. Hit that little bell notification. I just hit myself with the mic. That's how I want to end every day, smacking myself in the face with the mic. That's how I roll. But um, you folks have yourselves a great day. Thank you very much to everybody that donated. Thank you uh, to everybody that donated on the Palmer Home, by the way. I need to say thank you to that very, very quickly. You can leave anytime you want, but I do have to give a shout-out here um, because we got a $100 donation on uh, Palmer Home. Bruce Bruce donated $105, said, Go Pack Go, Go Barbecue Go. So you guys are absolutely killing it. Uh, I I cannot say thank you enough. $2,755 raised for the Palmer Home. This is a home that goes to needy children. Overall, on this thing in which they were, uh, Malcolm Reed was trying to raise $20,000, we're now at $30,000 for the Palmer Home. It is a fantastic thing, and I'm glad I was, I've been able to, uh, to be a part of that. Um, so, anyways, that's it. I got to get going. I really appreciate all you guys. Have a great day. 